Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. And good evening. This is Episode 9 of Launchpad. On behalf of the Bookish Road Trip Facebook page, the author marketing coach, Mary Helen Sheriff, and myself, your host, Grace Salmon, I'm so excited to welcome to the Launchpad, Beverly Armento, Amy Q. Barker, Gloria Coppola, and Michael Ross. If you are watching us live tonight, because we are indeed filmed in front of a live audience, please feel free to leave comments in the chat, ask questions, let us know how you're doing tonight, and be engaged with these amazing authors. I'd like to first just welcome Beverly Armento and her book, Seeing Eye Girl, A Memoir of Madness, Amy Q. Barker, Lap Baby, Gloria Coppola, Too Many Goodbyes, and last but not least, Michael Ross, with his Across the Great Divide series. And most uh, lastly is The Founding, which is the last book in that series. So I'm very excited to be with these authors because harrowing tales, life crises, coming of age, and a quest for freedom fill tonight's episode. These stories are told through the genres of memoir, women's fiction, saga, and historical fiction. So tonight, Sit back, enjoy these authors, and fall in love with your next book. I'm so excited that we have viewers with us tonight, so welcome each and every one of you. Beverly, let's start with you. Tell us about your book, Seeing Eye Girl, a Memoir <clears throat> of Madness. Well, I'll show you the cover first because I didn't uh, do that when I was prompted to. This is the story of growing up in an abusive, dysfunctional home uh, and suffering really cr chronic trauma, physically and emotionally uh, abused for a number of years. Uh, and coming through it um, semi-whole, uh, mainly because of strong teachers who empowered me throughout my life, who led me to believe that I was a strong Beverly, that I could do anything I wanted to do. And um, I believed them. So, I, you know, that mentoring, uh, whether they intended to do it or not, happened and um, caused me to believe that every child, vulnerable or not, really needs a strong adult uh, to mentor them in their childhood. Fabulous. And we're going to talk more about that and the role of education, as well as your own role as an educator as we move through this evening. Amy Q. Barker, tell us about Lap Baby. Sure. So um, Lap Baby is my fifth women's fiction novel. This one is the story of three strong, independent women who all suffered the same tragedy 20 years ago, which was a plane crash. And um, all three of these women are sort of at a crossroads in their life right now, the 20 years later. All of them have kind of dealt with a plane crash in different ways. Um, the main character, Paige, who is the lap baby in the story, she was just a child when the, when the crash happened. 
And 20 years later, she's still just trying to figure out how to process that and how to move on with her life and how to fall in love, which she does through the course of the story. And then the two other women, um, one was the flight attendant on the plane crash, Julie, and she's also still sort of dealing with the trauma, remembers everything about the crash and um, is sort of trying to forget by using alcohol. <laughs> so there's a whole story there. And then Marie, she's married, but she has taken, you know, the past 20 years trying to um, keep her life busy and full to cover the trauma from the, the crash, trying to keep her kids in activities and run her husband's life and, and run her life to the ground. <laughs> so um, at this juncture in their lives, they're all trying to get over their trauma and their demons in, a, in different ways. And you'll see over the course of the trajectory of the story, how they actually do that. And they all fall in love in their own ways and learn from each other how to get over that crash from 20 years ago. So already we have lifelong trauma in terms yes. of Jess Beverly's yes. book and Amy's book. One of the things I enjoy so much about Launchpad is being able to make connections between authors who don't necessarily know each other and what they write. Gloria Coppola, tell us please about your amazing book, Too Many Goodbyes. Too Many Goodbyes is about a feisty 17-year-old who grew up in New York City in an Italian-American family, loosely based on my own life and my travels. And at some point, you know, we all take a journey uh, to encounter our own worthiness. And so Lexi decides at 17, she wants to go to Italy. She has a calling. She's an empath. And her father says, well, if you want to go, pay for it. And he didn't think she could make the money. Long story short, she makes it. She goes to Italy. She's on a plane. Uh, not a plane. She's on a train ride from Switzerland to Italy where there is a handsome Italian man about mid-20s who doesn't speak a word of English. But when she gets off in Florence at 3 a.m. in the morning, he is proposing to her, but she doesn't know it until somebody tells her. So she jumps off the train as it's moving out. And the book is based on her wondering, did I make a mistake? And so she has a lot of losses in life, failed relationships, traumas <laughs> as well. And, you know, she decides in her mid 40s, she needs to go back. She needs to find out if this man even still exists somewhere. So it's not really a love story, but it is in some ways because she travels around the world as a journalist. She encounters, you know, tragedies in Peru and insights in Egypt and then romance in Paris, of course. But when she lands back in Italy, she finds herself. She finds her home. She was left a key from a grandmother that would communicate to her from the beyond. And she has to find out what this key opens. So you'll find out when you read it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And last but not least, let's talk about Across the Great Divide and the final book in the series, The Founding. Michael, tell us. Thanks. Well, Across the Great Divide is intended to examine the society in the latter half of the 19th century. And the main character is a man named William Crump. Now, this is fiction, historical fiction, but William Crump was a real person. And he was someone, um, I knew his daughter when I was a little kid. And so there's there's a connection there. And the first book examines how Will and his family got dragged into the Civil War. I won't go through that, but it's a, a saga. And the second uh, is kind of what he did after the war, how he dealt with PS PTSD, 
and uh, all of that. And then at the beginning of, of the founding, he gets a letter from his father, discovers that his mother has died, and his father is now in a gold rush town asking him to come. But when he arrives, his father has lost everything, is a drunk, and basically is uh, useless and tells him to go away. Um, so the first part of the book is about Will sort of rescuing his father. And uh, by chance, and this really happened, um, he bumps into uh, the famous Charlie Goodnight, who was a Texas Ranger, is the main character in uh, Lonesome Dove, if you've heard of that. And uh, so this was something that really happened. He just bumped into Charlie in a bar and Charlie started talking to him and invited him to Texas. And that's why Will ends up in Texas. Um, he goes there, he finds his love of his life and uh, they have ups and downs and bumps, including uh, his wife being kidnapped by Indians and so forth. Uh, but again, uh, Charlie invites him to a location in Texas, Polidoro Canyon. And Will goes there and joins with some other men and founds Lubbock, Texas. A parallel story in the book uh, that's an extension from the first book is about Luther. Uh, Luther was a slave on the clay plantation in Kentucky, where Will is, Will is from, and uh, escaped on the Underground Railroad and was then kicked out of Indiana by the Black Codes uh, and started his sort of his odyssey on where to go and was invited to join a group that was trying to found an all-Black town called Nicodemus. And again, this is a real place, uh, and it really did happen. So, so lots of connections, isn't Amy? Aren't you from Indiana? Yeah, I've never heard of this story. <laughs> so, so lots of things to talk about here, and even though Beverly's novel uh, book is a memoir, not a novel. Such strong characters in each of these. We do have people watching. Please feel free to make comments. We have the lovely Barbara Connery with us, who thinks this is a fascinating show already. So it's always great. Thank you for being with us, Barbara. And um, anybody else, please feel free to leave comments and ask questions um, in the chat. We'd love to hear more from you. So Beverly, let's go back to you. You had started us out on the idea of how important education um, was to you, and then your own life as an educator. Tell us more. Well, you know, I, I also want to just remind people that the rest of the subtitle here has to do with resilience and hope. And that's really what I got in school, was a good dose of a learn, like, I guess learning how to be resilient, some of that was intuitive. Uh, I was inventing things that now, uh, as an educator, I see uh, they're part of the literature. Of course, I didn't know the research on drama when I was 10 years old, but I was engaged in quite a bit of creative drama at the household to try to tone down the tone 
of um, the, the really the mental illness that my mother was exhibiting, her delusion, delusionary thinking, and her violence um, toward my sister and me. But um, school was where I uh, I was safe. School was where I was. Um, I had a personality. I could be myself. I could talk freely without worrying that I was going to trigger something uh, harsh from from my mother. So school was um, was a, was a place that I found very satisfying, of course. And eventually, I decided I wanted to be like those teachers that were so kind and generous to me. You know, back in those days, teachers weren't required to report abuse. You know, it's a little different uh, today. But they probably had some clues about what was happening to me uh, at home. Because you can't cover every bruise, uh, even though I tried uh, valiantly to, to do that. So I, I did go on to have a wonderful career as an educator and uh, try to pass on to my students the lessons that my teachers had taught me. That is, every kid is worthy, every child is important, and every child uh, is a genius. And so as a well, genius, I love I love that you did that. I love that you did that. And I'm, I'm so struck by, you know, your own personal resilience uh, in that. And then I just, I have to go back to Amy's book because Amy, how did you pick such a demanding um, basis for your book, a, a plane crash and uh, the impact on that 20 years later? Well, so the inspiration for the story is is somewhat based on a real person, which is um, this woman, Jan Brown. She was a flight attendant on a flight that went down um, in Iowa many years ago, not more than 20. And I was watching a show on TV like more than 10 years ago. I want to say like 15 years ago, I watched this show. It was called I Survived. And it was like firsthand accounts from people who had survived, you know, a murder attempt, a bank robbery, a plane crash, a, a train crash, a, a whatever. And it was her telling her true story of being a flight attendant uh, on a plane that went down and how she had to tell the parents on that flight who had had lap children, lap babies sitting on their lap, that they had to put their baby on the floor in front of them because that is the emergency rules. Um, and all but a handful of those children died because of that. And so it was her relaying her trauma from, from being the one to give instructions that she'd been trained to give. And then knowing that, you know, the outcome of those instructions was that, you know, ultimately some of those children did not survive the crash. Whereas in my story, what I did was I kind of took that inspiration from Jan Brown and um, made my Julie Geiger character be, be somewhat like her. But of course, I don't, I never met Jan. I don't know her. I don't even know if she's still alive. Honestly, if anyone on this podcast is listening and know, knows if she's still alive, I'd love to send her the book, but I've looked and I cannot find her anymore since 2019. But 
that's an aside. But anyway, she takes the rest of her career, the Jan Brown does, plus my Julie Geiger character, and tries to change those lap baby emergency rules on planes to figure out if there's a better way to um, deal with an emergency situation when you have a child on your lap that's under two years old. Um, so anyway, so you can kind of see how uh, the story was just a little spark of something that I got from that 15 minute segment on that I Survive show. And I thought, well, <clears throat> how can I make this into a book all these years later? And I did. So I took the story of one of the babies that survived. That's the Paige character, Julie, who's the flight attendant. And then um, Marie, who's the mother in the story, she actually lost a baby on the flight. That's what the her character has to deal with. So it's Amazing. kind of three of them coming together with that same shared trauma. And, and is that still the rule today, Amy? Do you know? It is. It is still oh the rule God. today. Yeah, so that has that's, 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 big, that's oh, a yeah. huge takeaway. And we have uh, Facebook users who say, all your books sound fascinating. Denise Burt of Wild Sage Book Hi, Club. Hi, Denise. Place <laughs> to hang out. Um, says hello to everybody. Tracy uh, Warrick oh. said that she just watched that episode. I did post a link to it, you know, within my book at the end of the book with the acknowledgements, um, because I really do want people to go see how inspirational Jan Brown, the real Jan Brown was and is. Um, and what she tried to do, her moral fight is the thing that really moved me when I watched it in her story. But the strength that she had to make to try to make something good out of something bad, it was just amazing and inspirational and um, really helped with obviously me helping helping me come up with a story around it too. So yeah, thank you. I'm glad somebody else saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to jump to Michael because Michael, one of the things that I read about you in preparing for today was you say sometimes we have to understand to understand the present. You have to look back at the past. And I think the books of the other three are very much about that. We've got Gloria who's looking back. Did she make that right decision? Amy's looking back at a 20 years, Beverly's. So talk more, particularly in light of your own book. But I thought that in framing this today, that concept of to understand the present, we have to look back at the past was particularly a great question for you. Well, for me, it's um, one of the whole series is looking at uh, relationships and how you can reach across the great divide. The divide isn't a geographical feature. It's a uh, barrier between cultures and people, um, particularly in, in terms of racial and, and ethnic. Um, I grew up in Texas back in the days of segregation. and You still had you know, separate water fountains and restaurants that said you couldn't go in there if you were black and, and so forth. Um, so, so I'm very used to that. And this, the civil war, the issues surrounding the civil war, unfortunately we still have them. Um, and the country is just as divided today as it was back then. And I think, uh, to understand some of the issues that we have now, you have to look back at the roots, um, at the, particularly in, in terms of, of race, um, in terms of the, my second book deals a lot with uh, Native Americans, um, particularly Shoshone, but it's applicable to all Native Americans to a large extent. And uh, I had an advisor that was a, a chief of the Shoshone for that book, um, and he said, oh, I, I got all the Shoshone right. So 
um, so I, I just think that uh, there are racial issues there. They had sanctuary cities. They had uh, tariff issues. They had a lot of, of sectional issues. Um, the pre showing that prejudice was in the North as well as in the South and not, you know, not just one place. Um, and I think that's true today. I think that we have divisions in different parts of the country and it's not, you know, all one thing or all the other. Um, and I think that's, that's still true. So. Thank you. Thank you for tying that together for us. Gloria, I know that your book certainly speaks to finding yourself, but your own personal work is a lot about life and health coaching. It's about finding your um, perfect self, if you will. You're Talk so perfect, a little bit yeah. about that journey of your personal self and how that gets reflected in your book. Because um, I think we Absolutely. have a lot to learn from that. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about going back and looking at relationships and all. And so the book actually brings up a lot of that, like looking at your purpose in life. And just before I was supposed to publish it, I almost didn't. And I really did have to look back. All right. So similar to Beverly with being raised with being a perfectionist and not good enough and all types of abuse, even from teachers. I mean, that was always thrown at me. You're not good enough. I can get straight A's and I'm still not good enough. And even at the end, I wasn't good enough for somebody who said, don't publish that book. It's awful. And I cried for three days. So what I did is I actually went back to the beginning of the book to listen to Lexi of what she went through with her own father and her teachers. Oh, I'm getting chills. And she actually encouraged me by looking back at all I've done to reach, you know, the levels of not only accomplishments, you know, what I do, but personally finding my soul purpose, living my soul purpose and teaching others how to do that. I actually do soul purpose consultations. And so Lexi, the main character, um, really is a woman who finds her purpose eventually. And despite listening to everybody else who said, you can't, you won't, she keeps going until she finds what she can within herself. And so, yes, part of my personal journey of helping other people find their worthiness is part of this story. Thank you. I want to go from, just pick up on something that Gloria just said, and then I'm going to come back to Gloria in just a second. But I'd like to know what your, in Beverly's case, what your younger self taught you, in Amy's case, what your characters have taught you, and the same question for Michael. Beverly, what did your younger self teach you now? I, I think... Um... I've learned a number of things. Number one is uh, forgiveness. Uh, you must forgive uh, the people who may have uh, done bad things to you. And you also need to forgive yourself. Um, and unless you can uh, do that, you really can't move on uh, psychologically. And I think that's ba that's a, a huge theme uh, for me now is to, you know, I, it was real important to me at this stage of my life not to write an angry book. Uh, it's not a mama dearest book. It's not a, uh, 
you must, you should feel sorry for me, book? No, I don't feel any of those things. I may have had a lot of anger uh, uh, when I was young and uh, in, in the years following uh, my leaving home, but, um, and thank goodness I didn't try to write a book then, but a maturity gives you a little perspective and um, I think I've come away with the forgiveness theme as being uh, central for me, no, but also the two themes of childhood trauma and the important role of teachers, um, I, I want to leave with my readers too. Thank you, Michael. What has your characters taught you? Well, Luther has certainly taught me a lot about uh, black culture and the struggles that black people went through. I read well over 200 slave diaries um, in researching this, as well as just talking to people and going through Piper Wigley's course on writing black people. And it's, it, you know, it, it gave me pause because I came into it thinking, well, you know, that's not a problem anymore, is it? Oh yes, it is. Um, and unfortunately that that's true. And I think uh, my will in the second book falls in love with a young Shoshone woman. And I learned a tremendous about, about Native Americans, what they went through then, what they're going through now. Um, and people say the words Native Americans. Well, one of the things I learned is they actually don't like that. They like to be called Indians. Yes. <laughs> so, but it, it's what people are used to. Um, but they didn't get their religion back until the 1970s, for example. They didn't become citizens until the 1920s. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of these things that people don't think about. Um, and just that all the different tribes are different. And Will's sisters, which uh, the one sister, Julia, figures in the in the founding um, because she and the railroad are almost a, a third you know supporting character between will and luther uh, julia and her husband have been doing steamboats well after the war steamboats went straight downhill and so they jumped into railroads and they had to fight um Jay Gould, who was a sort of robber baron swallowing every railroad in existence. And it's one of the excuse me, it's one of the amazing things I love about historical fiction, and particularly that part of the American history of the railroad and the role that it played for us. Amy, you've written multiple books. Um, so what have your characters in general taught you? And what does the character these amazing survivors in Lap Baby taught you? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think there's a couple of things. One is that in most of my books, my characters are, you know, trying to deal with something from their childhood, some tragic accident, some unexpected um, movement in their life that took them down a road they weren't expecting. And I think the key to what I think we're all saying is that you can't let those past traumas necessarily define you or define your future. You you are who you are. You take all of that and integrate all of that into making yourself a, you know, more complete 
um, multi-layered human. And I do that with my characters as much as I possibly can. And I try to show that in the course of the story. So I think that's one piece is how you define yourself is not always, does not always have to be what trauma you had in your past. Um, you can change that and make that better. And then I think the other thing is um, the piece that I was just kind of saying where all of my stories, I try to um, shine a light on something. Like I tried to, like my first story, which was called Rue, was set in San Francisco. And it was about a woman who is blind, who's a blind lounge singer. And so I wanted to shine a light on what it is to live independently as somebody who is blind, living by herself in a big city and how you do that. And so I did a lot of research for that book and met and talked with people who are blind to try to understand how could you do that? Like, how do you pick up clothes? How do you, um, you know, put nail polish on? How do you use your phone? How do you walk around the city? All of those things are in the book in the course of the story. And I see Beverly picking up because of course, you know, she was her, she was oh, the same right. girl. Or yes, her mother, so again, Roo. Go check out Rue. <laughs> lovely connections. And yeah. I want to end this part of the segment. Believe it or not, we are almost out of time. I want to go back to Gloria because I would say that, you know, my characters have taught me so many things from my book, The Eves. But Gloria, you've kind of become your character, haven't you? Or vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, when I when I was sitting here listening to my character about not giving up, I'm I'm a public speaker and I usually say to people, don't give up. And I sat here and going, well, what does that say about me if I give up? And so I was like, I can't do that. And then I'm like, well, what if I publish it and people don't like it? You know, and I had to turn the voices off, you know, and um, and my character did become or I became my character and I tapped into her strength. And as a result, the book has won two awards. Number one is my first fiction book. I've been a journalist and nonfiction writer. So that was like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I didn't listen to all the voices. And then I got to speak to a group of 65 high school students in Italy because I did take on the character and go back to Italy to see if I can find him. <laughs> Actually just kind of went on a fun tour. And what really, really helped me at that point, you know, after going through a lot of writers go through all these different emotions, right? Um, is 65 children, young adults actually got so much out of Lexi's journey and the questions they began to ask me inspired them, encouraged them. Then they were asking about education, becoming doctors, becoming writers. And it filled me up with so much love that I just was so glad that I did not give up because somebody needs your story. And I'm so glad none of you have given up. Every one of us teaches, you know, when the, with Michael's historical fiction, with everything each of you have spoken about, we are all learning so much. I want to invite each of you to hold up your book again. I want to thank Beverly Armento and her book, Seeing Eye Girl. Emmy yeah, thanks Amy. for all the comments, all those great comments over there. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Barker, Lap, Baby, Gloria Coppola, Too Many Goodbyes, and last again and never least, Michael Ross with his Across the Great Divide series with the last one just out, The Foundings. Thanks each and every one of you who have joined us here on the Launchpad. The time always goes too quickly. We hope okay. you've fallen in love with a new author and found your next great book. Thanks for being Thank with you, us, Grace. Here. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, Tracy and Denise Thank and Barbara. You.
This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.